This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and Rossi much more. fights off an Anna's check. Sends it back to Kulikov. Cuts to the middle. Hands to Beckman. He scores! What a throws to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett, Zeke, and Justin back with you after a week hiatus. Uh, we took a little Thanksgiving break. Had some chaos going on, but happy to be back talking hockey with you guys this week on Spotify Wrapped Day. Thanks to all of you who posted about us, shared some of your pictures and stuff. Uh, special shout out to Macy, who uh, listens to us more than any other podcast out there for tagging us on her tweet. We appreciate you and sharing that with us. We also have Sam with us back for Weekly Whitecaps, which will start in just a minute, but let's just do a quick check-in on how everyone is doing. Zeke, for like the first time in six months, you were like the first one uh, into the video call tonight, so you got to be feeling great this evening. Yeah, yeah no, I was still uh, still technically two minutes late, but uh, not <laughs> as you said, not the last one in, which has probably never happened, even though I do have stuff ready like 30 minutes before. But... <laughs> Uh, that's procrastination at its finest, but no, I'm doing good. I uh, just, you know, obviously uh, ate a ton of food the last week. I had got my booster shot literally like three, four hours ago. So feeling good right now. Hopefully that Getting mine uh, tomorrow. No, so. Hopefully I don't feel anything tomorrow, but uh, yeah. either way, just uh, good to be here. That's great. And Justin, we have you back on the microphone instead of the phone, fe- the phone speaker. Wow. The phone <laughs> speaker. <laughs> uh, as you've uh, got, copped yourself a little Black Friday deal on a laptop. Yeah, I got a laptop. My voice sounds different because I'm actually using my microphone again instead of my phone, like Brett mentioned. <laughs> it's been a, a few months. My computer crapped out on me and wasn't able to use the new mic that I bought. I used it like a couple times. The computer went, whatever. I'm glad to be able to uh, use it again and, uh, you know, had a good week. Uh, sons in hockey. <laughs> It's definitely his sport. I got to share this with you guys real quick. He's uh, he's aggressive. He's only he just turned five, but he's pushing kids over for the puck I, after his practice. I'm like, did you intentionally do that? He's like, yeah, I pushed the kids over. I want the puck. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed you to get him yet. a Felino jersey. <laughs> yeah. He's Felino. I don't know. He's gonna be a defenseman or a Felino type or something. But uh, it's it's been fun. <laughs> That's great. Um. Also, if anyone from Blue Snowball happens to be listening, um, we'd love to, uh, if you want to pay us to sponsor, um, we all got your mic. So uh, hashtag not a sponsor yet, but if you'd like to sponsor, happy to do so. 
Um, and last but not least, Sam, welcome in. It's been a chaotic couple weeks for you as well, juggling Whitecaps duties, juggling a busy Minnesota Wild homestand. How are you holding up? Hanging in there. Yeah, it's been busy, but it's been a lot of fun, obviously, with the success of the Wild as of late and hoping to kind of transfer some of that luck over to the Whitecaps here. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's jump into weekly Whitecaps. Uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before they had their home opener, which we previewed on our last show against the Boston Pride. Opening night goes well. They get the shutout. They win 2 nothing. Tell us a little bit about uh, the opening night, the atmosphere there at the fans, and just kind of the result of the game. Yeah, it was great to be back at TRIA in front of fans again. Um, you know, obviously winning at home is what this team loves to do. And uh, on the on the game side, Jonna Curtis, of course, had, had an exceptional game, uh, you know, scoring both goals for us and Lev playing exceptionally with uh, getting that shutout and it was the first time Boston's been shut out in a while. So I think, you know, it was very good to be back at home in front of our fans. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to more of that this season. Yeah, a, a big night for Lev. 43 saves, uh, the podcast after we hyped her up for her pads. So um, not the reverse drinks. That's just the uh, that's just the good luck that we can rub off on occasion when we're not uh, bad-mouthing people. So great effort for her. And then the goal Joanna Curtis scored, too, was just insane fighting through a defender and like basically scoring like from her stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Jana is one of those just like gritty players that will do anything she can to get the, the puck to the net. And, uh, you know, that's why, that's why she's on our team. We love having her on and, uh, seeing everything that she can do on the ice. Yeah, and then Sunday, not quite, uh, the result we had hoped for, um, a, a tight game again, as the previous two had been another, uh, one goal game, um, and it ends up just going in Boston's favor in overtime, I believe, uh, two to one, uh, unfortunately, as the Whitecaps not able to close it out, but a very valiant effort in that one as well. Yeah, that one, I think kind of stung a little bit. Um, Amanda Boulier scoring the winner for Boston. And of course, who having played for the Whitecaps in previous seasons, um, I guess a good welcome home to her and probably was fun to, to do that, but. On our end, not so much, and we definitely would have liked to come out with a win. Um, but as you said, it was a one-goal game. It was really close. Obviously, getting into overtime, um, you know, it, it was really down to the wire, and that's what you want to see. Obviously, Boston is a very good team, uh, but we came to compete, and, um, you know, splitting the weekend was pretty good for us. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing you were talking about, last time we previewed was just how the chemistry on this team kind of continues to find its way. We're not really having a preseason. What have you seen now after they play a couple tight games, get a nice shutout win? How have you seen that chemistry continue to develop and, and, if, and affect the team and how they're playing? Yeah, I think they're just really gelling. Um, you know, in practice, we'll see a lot of good, uh, you know, plays and smiles. And that's, that's what you want to see is the team having fun together and enjoying uh, just practice. So, when we get on the ice, we can transfer you know, some of that fun and, and that good feeling, keep that going in game. And like I said before, the team wants to compete and they're here to compete and you know they're hungry to bring the cup back to Minnesota. So, um, you know, as the season goes on and, and we get into this uh, December stretch of games, we have three weekends in a row where the team will be playing. And I think we'll start to see them really look like 
the Minnesota Whitecaps that we all know and love. Yeah, and you mentioned the uh, the stretch of three weekends of games. That kicks off this weekend um, at Danbury Ice Arena where they'll take on the Connecticut Whale. Um, great name, by the way. Good good homage back to the uh, Hartford Whalers. Um, give us a little preview on, on what to expect from Connecticut and, and what we can expect for the Whitecaps headed out uh, on the road this weekend. Yeah, Connecticut is one of those uh, underdog teams. I think they always play really gritty. Um, you know, they fight to the end and they, they love the, the competition, but kind of rely on that, you know, people kind of count them out. But um, this year they're looking exceptionally just like phenomenally better than what they have before. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with some of the new faces that they've brought on, uh, some of their rookies and, and just, you know, getting some transfers over from uh, you know, a trader or getting a player from a different team. But uh, as we look ahead to, to play them this weekend, I think, um, you know, one thing that we'll be looking for is just capitalize again on our um, special teams. Connecticut has a really strong penalty kill right now, um, but we're hoping to, to get the opportunity on, you know, our power play and convert. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll come out of this weekend with a couple wins. Absolutely. And then game times this weekend, pretty consistent um, with what they've been before, just kind of flipping the days. Two o'clock central time on Saturday and then a noon start uh, on Sunday. So a couple afternoon games this weekend, um, which should work well. I think the Wild are not playing at that time mm-hmm. either day. So yeah. no excuses uh, to not catch the Whitecaps this weekend. Yeah, that's perfect too. My my son's hockey is very early <laughs> this weekend, so I'll be off from yeah. his hockey early and be able to catch a couple of hopefully both of them. You got white you got sun in the morning, white caps the afternoon, wild at night, full day of yeah. hockey. Sounds like a great Saturday to me. Yeah, triple header. <laughs> no better way to spend it in my opinion. Love oh. being at the rink. So yeah, I think you know the team is really excited to just get back out there and play after the holiday. And um, you know, like I said, we have three weekends in a row where we're in Connecticut this weekend, but then uh, we've got two home stand or two games at home, two weekends at home. So, really excited about that. Absolutely, should be a fun next couple weeks. We hope that when we're talking to you next, we're talking about some more wins, maybe some more sweet goals, some big shutout performances. Uh, anything else you want to add about the White Caps or anything going on with the Wild Socials before we uh, before we send you on your way? Uh, with the Whitecaps, I think, you know, our next home game is uh, next weekend. So that is December 11th, um, and that is our Hockey Fights Cancer Night. So we'll be hosting the Buffalo Buttes and definitely want to get the fans in the stands for that and, and just kind of do some good good work with Hockey Fights Cancer. And we've got, you know, the Love Your Melon uh, package and, and things like that. So definitely encourage fans to, to head to the Whitecaps website and get some tickets and the stands ahead of the, the Christmas and, and all the holiday stuff in December. Um, wild social side, we're just having fun. It, it's been good. Helps when the team wins. So definitely, you guys time. have had some excellent tweets over the past. I would even I'd even say like 24 hours. Like they've there've been some real solid ones. So mm-hmm. make sure you're following at MN Wild on Twitter and at Minnesota Wild on Instagram. Absolutely, and then give the the Whitecaps a follow at Whitecaps Hockey on Twitter and at um, Minnesota Whitecaps on Instagram. Boom. All right, Sam. Well, best of luck to the Whitecaps. Send them our, our, our best wishes. And, uh, again, we hope we're talking about some wins when we talk to you next week. 
Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Cool. Awesome. All right, we'll let you... Uh, Short and sweet. And yeah. To the point. Pretty simple. <laughs> sweet, to the point. Yep, exactly. That's how we like it here. We never really accomplished yep. that, but that's how we like it. <laughs> <laughs> we try to, but we always end up rambling. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, well, appreciate you, and uh, we'll be in touch next week. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Right. Yep, see you. Good night, Sam. See you. Well, as always, big thank you to Sam for jumping on this show, talking some white caps with us as part of our new weekly white cap segment. We will now transition over to the Minnesota Wild, and as always, we're going to kick the ball over to Justin for a prospect update. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks, but I'll keep it uh, short and sweet to the point, kind of like Sam did with her uh, white caps update. Uh, a couple, I'll start with maybe a Maybe the not-so-good news, then good news. Uh, not-so-good news, uh, I don't know if there's anything to think too much of, but Jesper Wallstead has kind of – he's sat on the bench the last couple games for Lolia. So uh, the other guy that in the beginning of the season that seemed that was going to be the starter has been getting the starts lately. Not sure what's up with that boo. or if it's temporary. Yeah, boo, but uh, something <laughs> to keep an eye on. Also, Murat, who's Nadinov, hasn't been in uh, SKA's lineup the last couple games either. I'm not sure what's up with that. I'm not sure if he's hurt or if he's just not in the lineup. The KHL is kind of a weird, weird league. Mm-hmm. It seems like the young guys have a hard time cracking lineups. Unless well, they're, really you're good. in the first line, and now you're a healthy scratch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's Pretty much. Then uh, kind of we'll, we'll go to Iowa. They split the weekend with Henderson, which is Vegas's. AHL team. Uh, Marco Rossi did get hurt. He got uh, basically thrown to the ice by another uh, player. They were kind of scrumming. Yeah, they were kind of scrumming, but yeah, I agree. Uh, Last update I saw, Russo said, as of now, it sounds like he wasn't seriously hurt, so that's the good news of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's hope it stays that way. Smacked his face on the ice, basically. So, yeah. Could have been a lot worse from the sounds of it, but. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, uh, the injury bug stays away from him now. It's just. Just yeah, kind of bit real. him. Uh, now to the good. Uh, Alexander Hovanov, he's uh, starting to heat up in the ECHL. He's gotten four points the last three games. He was actually our prospect of the week for uh, Wild Prospects and Young Players. So it's good to see him doing well. Let's see if he continues. Still want to see him get better with his conditioning and maybe some of his maturity. He did pick up six penalty minutes in one of the games. So that's kind of a couple things got to work on. Um. Kind of back to the Iowa side, Connor Dewar had a good weekend. He picked up a couple goals and an assist in one of the games. And then uh, Boldy, six points, four games played. So he's no no surprise there. He's lighting up the AHL. I, I, I have to imagine he'll be up in the NHL at some point. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Dakota Mermis has been very, very good. I, I think he had like one goal, two assists in one of the games. He's just been really solid for Iowa and, and kind of another defenseman to maybe keep an eye on. Yeah, I was really impressed with Mermis, even in the couple games he played last year, like kind of when the Wild had their massive COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked decent, and I, I don't remember who I was talking to, someone else in the Wild podcast community. Um, I think it might have been Joe Bully who was like watching Mermis like live in person. I think he went mm-hmm. down to Iowa. I think it was like two weeks ago. And he's like, I'm really impressed. And I'm like, yeah, I like the way he played. I just I don't quite understand why he can't. Like I feel like he could be easily like a number six or number seven defenseman yeah. in the NHL. But, right. Um, Again, good to have that depth. Um, yeah, should we need yeah. it? We, you know, Spurgeon's hurt, but we've seen surprisingly Jordy Ben step up and look 
surfaceable in his absence. Yeah. That's been good. But not to get too far yeah. off topic. But, <laughs> yeah, I've always been impressed with Mermis and glad to see that uh, he's playing well in Iowa as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nate Benoit, a name we don't hear very much on here, or really see on online a lot, but he scored his first goal of the season for Tri-City. Um, that's the USHL. So I can't remember what round he went in. It was last. I think he was, it was, like, it was their last pick. It might have been like yeah, sixth or seventh round. Sixth or seventh round, right, yep. But uh, good to see him put up something on the stat sheet. You know, stats aren't everything, but it's good to see his name. And then uh, Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke, Carson Lambos have been invited to Team Canada's under-20 camp and hopes to play for the World Junior. So let's hope, you know, hopefully at least one of them make it. But it would be great to see all three of them make it after mm-hmm. O'Rourke and Hunt got cut last year. Yeah, and I think there's, I don't know the exact number, I think there's only nine or ten um, defensemen that got invited, so a pretty good chance at least one of them does. I would imagine mm-hmm. that Lambos is probably the most likely of the three, and then I'd probably put Hunt and O'Rourke kind of in that order would be my expectation. Um I don't know what Team Canada is doing. They didn't invite Brant Clark um, yeah, to the that. camp, who's a very, very good defenseman. And mm-hmm. then they had some weird, convoluted statement about, oh, we're looking, you know, to build the piece. It, it was very much yeah. like a, a long-winded version of Herb Brooks. Is we're not looking for the best players, looking for the right ones. Is kind of what right. it seemed like to me. But yeah, um, it, I don't know if that it, was maybe something the Kings had a say in, and they're not going to admit right. that or what. But. Uh, nonetheless, uh, three three wild defenders uh, with a with a decent shot to crack the team, and um, I believe so far the only other team that's released their camp roster is um, Team USA. Um, no wild prospects there. There is four Minnesotans, I believe, that were invited to that camp. So yeah, and uh, I think there's uh, three UMD Bulldogs, maybe. Casual flex. I don't look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I know one of them is Faber, who would be a Gopher. Yeah. yeah. So. But the other three you might bring might be Bulldogs. So, yeah, yeah. So we got that going for us. We'll keep an eye on uh, as the other rosters come out. But we're assuming uh, Wallstedt for Sweden, pretty much a lock. Um, I believe Novak for the Czech, Novak, probably. Who's Nadinov? I believe has one more year of eligibility. I think for Russia. And I feel like there might be one more that we're forgetting. Maybe. Yeah, I, off the top of my head, I'm. Uh-huh. Could be it. Yeah. But by the way, potential of six, but probably for sure um, at least two or three. So yeah, great mm-hmm. to see you as always. Uh, Justin, appreciate the prospect update. We got a lot to get to today, so we're going to keep chugging along. I do have the analytics segment back this week, and we are going to talk about Kevin Fiala. Uh, he's been under the microscope, it seems, as of late because he's not scoring. Um, there's obviously some trade rumors swirling with him as we kind of speculated from the start of the season that there would be. Um, we'll touch a little a little bit more on those here in a little bit. But I just want to get into a lot of people, oh, you know, Kevin Fiala, he's not scoring. we got to trade him, blah, blah, blah. I want to talk to you all about something called positive regression, which basically means that, you know, everything is going to come back to the middle. There's negative regression, positive regression. Um, the exact opposite of everything I'm saying about Fiala could probably be applied in the reverse to Ryan Hartman. Um, who is seeing a very high shooting percentage, converting on a lot of his chances. Kevin Fiala is the exact opposite. Um, no no uh, time uh, time limit here on, on these stats. Um, no limit to position. Um, Kevin Fiala has the second worst goal scored above expected in the NHL at negative 4.01. He has just three goals, 7.01 individual expected goals. The only player worse than him is Nick Ritchie of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who has zero goals. Um, has an expected goals of neg- of uh, 4.43, so he's negative 4.43. 
So his like very bad in that sense. Um, but here's the good news. Um, he's taken 74 shots on goal, um, which is kind of like right in line with about where his average would be on a per game basis. Um, that's a 4.1%. His career shooting percentage average is about 10.4%. And that's a regression comes in. I We're going to see it is inevitable. I mean, unless somehow Kevin Fiala is cursed, which at times it feels like it, he has been this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but his shooting percentage should start to regress positively back towards that 10% number. If he was shooting at his career average, so not above, not below, like right on it, he would pretty much be spot on what his expected goal says he should have, which is seven or eight. Um, so I, I I do believe, and you know he he's tied in the wild in shot attempts, 129. He leads the team in high danger chances with 33. He has a 57% on ice expected goals percentage, even strength. Like Kevin Fiala is doing all of the right things. He's it's literally just bad luck. The pucks just aren't going in. I mean, we saw it last night. He had some great rushes up the ice. He had a one-timer from point blank, and for whatever reason, that decided to be like the one big save Wedgwood makes all night. Like yeah. We've seen him just, you know, fan on a couple on the doorstep. Like, he's he's in the right spots. He's doing the right things. He's moving his feet. He's not turning the puck over as much. I'm still not worried about Fiala. I, I do think the goals are going to come, and I think, you know, it's it might take, you know, one or two to get the monkey off his back, but then look out because I think he's going to be hungry for more. Well, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily entirely surprising. I don't think either that he's not not necessarily, you know, starting great because we've seen the history of him, you know, starting very slow, at least in the score sheet wise, and then going on a tear for about a month in the middle of the season. So I think the difference is that maybe the last two years, he just wasn't playing good all around. Uh, You know, and as Brett just mentioned, he is. He is playing good. Uh, He is hustling. Yeah, like you said, it's not that issue, but I it's. He's just a streaky player overall, so I think that's just 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 based off his personality, his way he plays the game. I think, you know, a lot of times the fans just have to, we just have to, you know, accept that. But I, I agree, it's like you said, if you if you keep shooting the puck, a lot of times, I mean, eventually you're going to get lucky. And I mean, he scored that one goal where he, you know, he batted out of the air with his stick right up at his shoulder length, huh. and if that one went in, you got to think a blast from right in the middle of the ice there are going to start to go in eventually. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, I mean, even like last night, I'm thinking of last night's game. He just, at times, seemed like he had the puck on a string and he just, his skating looks good. Everything looks good. It's kind of like the Kaprizov situation where fans were kind of freaking out and like, oh, he's in a slump and he's not worth the money. And and now they're maybe saying Kevin Fiala is not playing like, you know, like, He's not scoring. He's not hungry enough. I don't know if people are saying that, but I can, I can picture that being said. But it's kind of like the Caprizov situation where it's just going to take a couple, and he's just going to go off. We see it all the time. He usually starts off slow, like you mentioned, Zeke. And mm-hmm. I'm not worried about him. It's just he's a goal scorer, and the goals will come. Yeah. And again, the the big key for me is he's not scoring from lack of chances. It's just they're not going in. So. Mm-hmm. And then, too, like, you look at last night, they stick him on a line with, you know, Victor Rask and uh, Kalen Addison, who actually looked fine at right wing. We can talk a little yeah. more about that game in a bit. But um, long story short, positive regression is due to hit Kevin Fiala. He's, you know, has having, the, having some of the worst luck in the league right now. He's doing the right things. The goals are going to come. And when they do, I'm going to laugh at all of you who doubted Kevin Fiala, just like I'm laughing hysterically at everyone who was bad-mouthing Kirill Kaprizov. Mm, yeah. Yep. 
All right. Well, we've got a ton of areas we can go next. Um, I think before we dive into everything Minnesota Wild, the team did make a pretty big announcement this week, one that's pretty near and dear to three of our hearts, and that is that <laughs> at long last, on March 13th, 2022, number nine is going into the rafters at Excellent Energy Center. The Minnesota Wild will be honoring the long, one of the, lo- the longest tenured captain in Minnesota Wild history, Miko Koivu, is head, uh, jersey headed to the rafters. Yeah, I'm very happy about this. I know there's people adamant on both sides, but uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the honor. I think he deserves it personally. May get ripped for it. Don't care. But uh, he's he was the captain for years, the staple of the franchise, the face of the franchise, a leader in so many categories. Just I love the guy. There's obviously you know he's I think he's all of our all time favorite player. Is he yours too, Zeke? I can't remember. Uh, I mean, maybe not. I wouldn't say I have. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say I have an all-time favorite player yeah. yet. I mean, gotcha. you know. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I got my son's name from yeah. from him, his name, and it's. I don't know. I, I'm excited about it. I want to go to the game. It's all dependent on my my Miko's hockey, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it's a pretty awesome thing to be able to see. Uh, when that tweet came out, it was it just made me happy. Well, you know, I think you know, you guys mentioned the uh, you know, there's some people who will disagree with it, and I think it you know comes down to for me that I don't think there's there's not a strict definition somewhere where that you're there's a rule that you have to qualify to have your number or your jersey retired. You know, it's not. A lot of people say you know, they think that should be reserved for the Hall of Fame level players or, you know, someone who won Stanley Cup or two uh, in their time with the team. And, you know, in some cases, maybe that's how some teams want to do it, but it's not it's not a it's not a hard and fast rule. And yes, they did not. You know, they didn't win very many playoff series. They didn't win the Stanley Cup. But as we said before, when you think of the wild, you know, who are you going to think of? It's Miko Koivu. And another way, just to wrap it up for me, I you know the main way I look at it is you know a lot of times with jersey retirements you go, could you imagine any other player wearing uh, that number in the rest of the team? And you know no. when you think if you think of anybody else with number nine in the jersey, it just wouldn't feel right. So I uh, no, I'm I'm totally agree. I've I'm like you guys, I've wanted to see this for a couple of years now, and it'll be a it'll be just great to to, to see his number hanging up there for for the rest of the time. And I would encourage to you if you haven't had a chance yet. Um, I believe if you go to the, I think it's on both the Wilds and the and their PR accounts Twitter page. They have mm-hmm. a link to the press conference that Koivu did, and it was just really cool to hear, you know, kind of his preliminary thoughts on what it means to him being able to say thank you to the fans, you know, talking about, you know, just what what Minnesota meant playing for him. He he reflected mm-hmm. on you know how proud he is of the new captains and Spurgeon, Felino, and Dumba. And you know just what what makes them great leaders, and all three of them. If I mean they've they've heard and candidly said, you know, I I wouldn't feel comfortable being a leader if not for what I learned from Miko. So I mean, despite what people say about him creating a toxic locker room, uh, I don't I don't believe that for a no. second. Um, no, Suter and Parisi maybe, but I don't think Koivu was a part of that problem. I, I really don't. Um, and then also is kind of talking about you know what might be next for him. It sounds like. He wants to be in hockey. He wants to work, you know, whether or not that's with the Wild, I think it's still a little bit undetermined, but right now it sounds like he's just doing a bunch of shadowing of, of Garen and the, and the higher brass as well as kind of the coaching staff and just kind of 
seeing where he fits in, talking to former players, teammates that have gone on and done things. So um, then, of course, we'll be assistant coaching uh, Finland at the World Juniors this year as well. So we'll definitely be, you know, a fun story to watch kind of throughout the next year or so to see where he feels like he fits and if it's with the Wild or another team or, or how it ends up. But it sounds like it'll be coaching or management, which, which will be really exciting for him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the uh, you know another interesting thing that I heard him say. I think he kind of hinted at the fact that maybe he almost you know there was some someone basically asked him what does it be like to play almost all of your entire career with one team, and uh, you know the fact that he went to Columbus to play seven games last year. Maybe you know if he had a little hindsight, maybe he wouldn't have done that. But yeah, no, I think I just overall I just don't get you know the people that disagree with it. I don't get what there is to be mad or upset about. Like you can disagree, that's fine. Like you know, I'm not gonna, you know, it's it's, it's your opinion, that's fine. But I mean, they're honoring someone who is very important to the franchise, and it was one of the greatest players. I mean, he, again, he didn't have the awards, but to be honest, we and Brett's probably have has probably found these stats before many other people. Uh, it's not really his fault. He, for example, didn't win a Selkie. He probably should have. Uh, even the, that's just the voting is how it goes. And yeah, no, I just. Uh, I, I don't, I just don't understand maybe some of the uh, frustration where people saying it's celebrating mediocrity or self celebrating not being good enough. It, you know, it doesn't, when you know how intense uh, Miko was and how much he cared about winning and how much he cared about winning with this team, uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, just don't understand how you could think that. So I'm, it's just going to be, uh, like we said, it's just going to be really awesome to, for him to have that night and get the recognition that he deserves. Absolutely. All right. Well, moving on. Um, let's see, where should we go next? Uh, hmm. should, should we go to the trade rumor mill next? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then we can go into the kind of the recap and everything kind of that happened yeah. in the you know all these exciting games since we last recorded. Um, mm-hmm. So the main kind of rumor that's been kicked around out there a little bit, um, kind of I believe came out of Vancouver media, um, is that the you know. The Canucks obviously off to a tough start. They've got some guys on expiring deals, um, you know, within the next year or two, notably uh, Bo Horvat as well as JT Miller. And he kicked around that the Wild have maybe inquired about one or both of them, that Kevin Fiala might be, you know, a piece or part of the pieces coming back to Vancouver. Um, just kind of wanted to give your, get your guys' thoughts on, one, uh, the prospect of getting one of those two guys, and then, two, um, you know, if – is Fiala kind of where you cut it off? Do you add did you add in something else? Kind of where you think you would value a player like that? Um, we can kind of go around, give our thoughts, and and then we'll uh, we'll move on from this. I'll start off by saying I, I don't don't want to lose Fiala. I also don't know if we can afford Fiala if he's gonna uh, command the type of money that uh, he was possibly this off season. So if that's the case, you know, it, I mean, we do need. So it'd be great to have another center. JT Miller is a really, really good player. I mean, on a really bad team, he does make five point two million dollars a year, and people say, "How can we afford that?" I mean, we're not going to be able to afford Fiala. And on top of it, JT Miller, it goes through next year, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. So it'd only be for two years, possibly. Um, I, I don't know if that's worth trading Fiala for, but it would definitely help us down the middle and you know, maybe buy time for a guy like uh, Rossi or something. Well, hopefully he's here before the two years, but um, 
Bo Horvat doesn't really move the needle for me. If if it's one of the two, it'd be JT Miller in my eyes. If, if we didn't make a trade with Vancouver, but all in all, I, I'd trust Bill Bill Guerin and what he does overall. But between the two, I, I JT Miller moves the needle more than Bo Horvat. Yeah. Well, for me, I think first of all, as Rooster said a few times, I think the main reason that Fial is in kind of these trade rumors or has been basically thrown out as a potential trade chip. For any kind of center is, I mean, obviously, like Justin mentioned, with JT Miller making 5.2 and with the Wilds' t- tight salary cap and with pretty much every team, you know, there's going to be need to be money in, money out for a trade like that to work. So I think, and also, obviously, from the fact that we can kind of see the writing on the wall that, you know, Fiel is probably not going to be there, I think it's safe to say, on the team next year. So that kind of makes him expendable, but... I don't know. I personally, you know, like we'll, like we'll see how it goes. We don't know how much there is to it, I'll, except from Russo saying that, you know, they have called, which any team would do if when a team like Vancouver is just struggling terribly like they are to try to take advantage of that situation. But I, I personally would really like it. I mean, like just said, JT Miller has been a really productive player ever since he got to Vancouver. You know, he, he was solid in New York and in Tampa a few years before that. But, you know, he's really started to score the last few years. And, you know, I think just overall, I'm not opposed to trading Fiala or whatever else for JT Miller or center like that, because, you know, as we've seen this year, obviously it's still in the season, but, you know, this wild team looks really good. They look really deep. And, you know, with maybe the Western Conference not being as terribly deep, I don't think it would be potentially the worst thing in the world to take a chance on like a two-year rental or a rental kind of in a way like JT Miller, even if that means giving up Kevin Fiala because of the fact that if you, it seems like the Wild potentially could be that one center away from being a contender. And yes, it would hurt to lose Fiala, but at that point, then you'd think, hey, then you got a guy like Matt Boldy to fill in for him maybe in the lineup there at some point this year. So I personally am, uh, you know, whether it's JT Miller or somebody else, I'm really in favor of the, I, I, I mean, I, I'll be fine either way. If they keep Fiala, I'm not going to complain whatsoever. I really like him too, but I think it's definitely something uh, work, worth looking into if they can, you know, only if they can get like somebody of the caliber of JT Miller or somebody who is a legitimate like top line kind of guy that, you know, is, can maybe make equivalent production to Fiala. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm still pretty conflicted with where I sit. I've kind of gone back and forth. Um, I guess for me is maybe I'm just higher on Fiala than most. I, I just think there's a ceiling there and I just feel like if he was put in the right situation, like for example, on the wing with a with a player like, you know, an Elias Pettersson, who granted himself has had a pretty slow start to the year and has yeah. not looked like you know the potential to be a top five center that he looked like um, when he won the Calder, um, but I, I just don't know. Like my my thing is, I'm not giving up Fiala plus to acquire Miller. I I have no interest in giving up anything additional to acquire JT Miller because for me. I view the two pretty similarly. I feel, to me, still Fiala's ceiling feels higher. Um, the, the trade-off of that is you can put JT Miller at center or the wing. You have some versatility there where Fiala is strictly a wing. Granted, you know, he can play left or the right side. We've seen him bounce back and forth between the two this year. Um, you know, he's he, Miller's off an okay start. Seven goals, 13 assists, 20 points in 23 games. Only a minus two on a team that struggled. A little bit this mm-hmm. year. Um, over a point per game player once in his career, um, but has been a pretty solid, 
you know, top I wouldn't say, you know, a legit top line guy necessarily, but a legit top six forward for probably the last three, four years. So mm-hmm. again, I think Zeke going you said, like I, I trust Garen and that, you know, if, if we, we've seen, they had some scouts in Boston the other night when Vancouver was there. So it seems like they're doing their due diligence and I'll trust the moves that they make. But again, I, my biggest thing is that if it involves giving up Fiala plus I'm out. Um, I just think, you know, if, if, if that's the case, look to send him elsewhere where you can maybe get, you know, a first round pick back or something that maybe you can use, put it some ammo in the chamber and maybe make a move at the deadline too. Um, it, cause again, too, you I mean, you wonder, you know, we thought Martin Hansa would be a, a great fit, you know, a legit center that could help in a playoff run back in 2014 and it, or 2016, um, when they, when they acquired him, I believe 17, um, we saw it totally blow a hole in the chemistry in the locker room too. And I think that's one thing I think you got to tread carefully with too is, you know, yeah, skill wise make your team better, but chemistry, I mean, we, we've seen how, how important that's been to this team and the culture that they've built. And you don't want to jeopardize that either with the move, but I think a lot of those players understand hockey's a business too. So mm-hmm. definitely an interesting yeah. storyline to watch for the next, you know, through the trade deadline mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I, just... I, I definitely agree with it. Wouldn't be plus Fiala plus. No, I do not want to lose Fiala whatsoever. I agree with you totally with the ceiling comment, but if we do have to lose him, I want something in return that's equivalent. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. just where I think I don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose a number 22 to this team that I love. So, you know, seriously, again, I trust Garen, but I don't want to lose him. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's just for me, it's the, an issue of if they're just going to get rid of him next summer, anyways. You know, if you have an opportunity to, maybe why not try to improve at another position of need? Maybe of need, but I don't know. I just it just doesn't seem like he's going to be here anyway. So I guess that's kind of why I've kind of maybe distanced myself on him. I just, you know, I like him, but I, I just don't feel like he's going to be there very long. But you know, we don't know. And I, I also think any move is probably not going to happen until after the new year, anyways, because that's just. You know, that's historically NHL. They don't, they're not usually just going to make a big trade in the middle of December yep. like that anyways. So, no, we and obviously we're just 20 games into the season. So, a lot For of this sure. is just rumors. But it's, uh, I don't know, I think it is interesting that we're already, you know, at the point with how good they've played that, you know, that he, their kind of team is forcing Garen to maybe look into trying to actually improve the team as well, which, like Brett said, you don't want to make a mistake. But I think it's it's encouraging that we're kind of already at that point that, you know, that maybe we actually think we might have something going here. For sure. All right. Well, uh, since we last recorded and shit talked a bunch of players and voiced some concerns, um, <laughs> our reverse jinxes worked in full force um, as the team has kind of rattled off tons of goals, mm-hmm. some wins. Just a recap, since we last recorded on uh, November 17th, uh, they beat Dallas 7-2, to absolutely stomped them. Um, nearly came back and beat the Florida Panthers, lost to them 5-4. to four. Um, And then a second of back-to-backs, battled back late to uh, tie a game against Tampa Bay and then lost in a stupid shootout, 5-4 uh, there. Um, Cam Talbot, who we voiced our concerns about on this show, um, had a really good outing against the New Jersey Devils and for the first time this year stole a game in a uh, 3-2 wild win. And then on Black Friday, the wild curb stomped the Winnipeg Jets 7-1. to one. Um came back and found uh, revenge against the Lightning on Sunday, beating them 4-2 to two with a really good team effort. And then last night, um, pretty handily took care of the Arizona Coyotes. So a pretty good uh, two weeks of hockey for the Wild. I mean, when you look at it, when you're only 
two losses in that stretch are to uh, Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning in a shootout. I would call that a pretty successful uh, two-week stretch. Yeah, no, I, it really was. And I think, you know, those first two games in Florida, you know, were a little frustrating because the fact that, you know, that, you know, they, Florida was definitely the best team they'd seen this year. But you, both those games were really close. And, you know, you thought you were just a bounce or two away from getting three or four points, you know, instead of just one out of those games. But, you know, there's, there's no shame in losing tight games to really good teams. And and obviously, like you said, they've, they've bounced back and, you know, whooped some – Kick some butt here the last few weeks. Nice to beat divisional teams uh, against Winnipeg, and then obviously, like you said, that uh, that game against Tampa Bay was really fun to watch. Just the, it seemed really fast. Everyone was the pace was really great. Uh, everyone was working really hard, and obviously, like you said, the the biggest thing has been to see uh, you know the play of Cam Talbot. Even that Tampa game was also really good. So that I you know to be honest, think over the last two weeks since we record, that's probably been. One of the biggest developments is that, you know, if he, you know, he's not playing fantastic, but uh, if he can just be back to that average point, which I believe his, I think I read on a show I was listening to that his uh, expected goal saved or whatever is right around zero now. Yep. Or it's something. Bounce, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's bounced back really nicely. And yeah. I believe it was back-to-back games, uh, New Jersey, and then I think Winnipeg um, as mm-hmm. well. He had both of those games about, I think yeah. it was about a 1.6 goal saved above expected. And then, I think the next game it fell off a little bit, but yeah, he's 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 pulled himself out of out of the negatives and kind of right back yeah. to where he talked about needing needing just be average. Uh, yeah, and we've seen what average goaltending has gotten this team in its top of the top of the division and near the top of the Western Conference. Yeah, it's just <clears throat> let me say uh, sorry. That was my <laughs> my phone. Uh, no, you're good. I, uh, I'm used to recording on it and didn't turn the, the ringer <laughs> yeah. down. That's what I get for it. But uh, I, I did miss. The Florida game and both Tampa games because I was at work. I, I don't miss a lot of games. But those matinee ones are tough when I w- work. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, in my eyes, when you come back and tie the defending two-time defending champs, take them into overtime, yeah, you lose into overtime, and then you come back, you beat them four to two, and I saw the empty net goal in that game, and I was like, yeah. Like, I had just gotten off work, saw the empty yep. net goal, just enough time to see us seal it. And, you know, Florida was a tough game, but they're a really good team, even without Barkov. To come back on them and, and make it a one-goal game, that's those are just really good signs because those teams are, are steps ahead of us in terms of where they're built. You know, we're a, a strong team, but it's just a good sign to me. You know, we got just good coaching, a good chemistry. This, this team is so much fun to watch, and we're never really out of a game no matter – really who we're playing and how much we're down it seems like yeah and i think that's definitely where like from a fan standpoint where this season's felt different than previous years is i think previous years you know you, you feel like oh well, i kept the first goal i got oh, crap this game's over and we're not gonna come back now you know we'll be down by two goals with three minutes left i'm like fuck this thing's going to overtime like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna come back and tie it like yeah. just like the, and just like they did in the tampa bay game i think they have like seven goals with the goalie pulled only four against like that's just absurd Mm-hmm. Um, they they just keep battling, which is awesome. They're getting scoring depth up and down the lineup. Um, but the next thing we're gonna talk about, and we talked about how lethal this team could be once Kirill Kaprizov gets going. And uh, I put this in a little tweet thread before we jumped on our recording night, so this might be redundant to some of you. But uh, <laughs> here's Kaprizov's last seven games. In those seven games, the Minnesota Wild are outscoring opponents sixteen to four in all situations when he's on the ice. 
He has a point on 14 of those 16 goals. 12 of those 14 points are primary points, meaning either he scored the goal or registered the primary assist. So four goals, 10 assists, eight of the 10 assists, primary assists, averaging 3.6 shots per game, six shot attempts per game, 0.28 individual expected goals per game, one high danger chance per game. He is he hasn't taken a minor penalty or any penalty of that matter in that stretch. And then in all situations, um, controlling a 56% Corsi percentage and a 55.4% expected goals percentage. Folks, Kirill Kaprizov is back. Yeah, this is the Calder Kaprizov that we all knew was coming, and never a doubt. <laughs> you know, like we've mentioned before, when he was in a valley, whatever. Still averaging a point per game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever. Fans just, yeah, whatever. This is what we knew was coming eventually. This is this is the crew we watched last year, even if it was against the same seven teams or whatever. You know, of course, he was going to have a little tough, tough road, it seemed like, this year because teams kind of knew him and had a season to study him and, and get to know his game and, and – you know, it just took time for him to maybe get used to that. But even though he was still a point per game, he he's looking like the Kaprizov that we all know and love. Like last game against Arizona, he looked faster. Like he's looked faster recently. I, I think mm-hmm. before he looked maybe I don't know what it was, but he didn't look like uh, Kaprizov from last year. But he's looked like you know he's making the passes we knew he could make and some of the moves and, and skating. Uh, seems to be back too, so all good signs. Well, I mean, he had that. Uh, he drew that penalty in against Arizona last night, where he danced through about oh, three guys, and like Brett said, he was like one more guy away from a Nick David like highlight reel. And yeah, you know, I think that's just like you mentioned there, just skating. But I mean, it's just insane because, as you guys mentioned, even when he wasn't playing well, you know, usually in this team's history, you know, a lot of times if there's a guy who has like 60 points, that's, you know, that's the leading scorer on the team and that's really damn good. Like this is a guy who's on pace now for like 90 something points. And 93, 93 if my math is correct. Yeah. Yep. His, his floor is like 70 points every year, which is, that would be, you know, is better than almost any player that's ever played for this team. And I mean, like, as Justin said, and as we've said in this podcast for, you know, two months since the start of the year, you know, talent doesn't go away like that. Uh, it's just sometimes just not playing good. And I mean, hey, he's I think when he's six in the league, tied for and scoring right now with 25 points. I mean, he's not scoring a ton of goals, but as we saw in Tampa last night, uh, as just mentioned with the attention thing, he had, if you see on the screenshot of that Hartman wing goal, all five guys are like in a box around him, but that left Ryan Hartman wide open on the other side of the net to take a pass from him and score the game winning goal. And, you know, he can, like you said, he can make plays. I mean, Dmitry Filipovich tweeted out a, a, a video compilation of some of his passes yeah. from this year and just the creativity. He scores goals, but that's the underrated part of his game is that he's just got such an elite brain that can make insane plays out of nowhere that no one else, you know, on the ice can really do. So it's, uh, it's, it's just great. It's just awesome compared to years, years past. As we said last year, even just watching every night, you just – you know you're gonna see something great, but you just you, you never you just it's always an issue of you know how much is he gonna to score tonight? How how great is he gonna do? He's gonna, you know, so it's it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. Yeah, Dmitry Filipovich, that montage was great. He uh, he threw that at my DMs, and I was like, oh man, I'm about to 
<laughs> I may need to sit down and brace myself for this montage that he just sent me. Um, <laughs> um, he's a huge Capri Soft fan, so I always love when he puts his uh, montages together. But Justin, to build on kind of what you said, like, you know, people might be wondering, you know, what's changed, since, you know, since he was in that slump. And I think you hit on the one of the two things for me, it's his skating. You know, it, it seems like he has that jump back in his step. We're seeing a lot more of the mohawking, the pivoting, the puck protection, mm-hmm. the creativity that we saw him be so lethal with last year. And for me, the other thing is it's just he looks confident again. He, you know, we saw him at times, you know, maybe coming in, looking to make a play, then maybe double, you know, Maybe, ah, should I do that? No, I don't know. And you kind of panic with it, turn it over. But now he's committing to these plays. We're seeing the passes get through. Um, I, I just think, I'm, I still maintain he was playing through an ankle injury following the home opener. And that, you know, when he was going through that cold stretch, I think in the timeline is usually four to six weeks for that. That's about how much time has passed since then. I think it's healed up. I think he's looking better. He's looking more confident. And obviously with, four, you know, averaging two points a game over the last seven games, you know, yeah. two career best four point nights um, against Dallas and Winnipeg, um, two division rivals, um, teams he hadn't seen before, um, and two more multi point efforts um, in that stretch as well. Um, last night against Arizona, um, and then again as well um, versus Florida. So I mean, it's not like you know, it's not like they played bad teams in this stretch either. We they played Tampa Bay twice, Florida, Dallas, Winnipeg, New Jersey was having a good year, and you know, the only really cupcake if you will in there was Arizona. Um, so I mean, even take that game out, he's got 12 points in, in six games against six pretty yeah. good teams. So right. it's been great to see. Um, you know, we talk about the goaltending being good, but I feel like we can't have this show without talking about Ryan motherfucking Hartman, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. All the guy does is just score big goals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, it's like you said, it's insane. I think he's got what twelve goals, eighteen points now in the twenty-two games. I mean, he's he's going to catch his career highs by the end of this month, probably the way he's going. And I mean, yeah, like you said, he had that that big goal in Tampa Bay the other night. He just spun around and sniped it blocker side on Vasilevsky. It was a sweet shot. Uh, he scored. You know, he's got a very good re- underrated release, I think, too. Just the way he can get shots off real quick. Uh, and is always kind of in that area around the net, right in the thick things, which I think, you know, and when you're on that line with Kaprizov, especially, I mean, especially then you're going to get opportunities to shoot the puck. But I just think the way that, you know, he plays that kind of rough on the edge, physical game that just allows him to create that space. He scores and obviously, you know, he, he hadn't really gotten that opportunity to play in a higher role until these last couple of years. And, you know, you obviously you're just seeing when you give a guy a chance and you show show him some faith as this team has done with numerous guys, you know, they're they're gonna reward you, they're gonna play really well. And and as many people have said, the the best part probably is the fact that, you know, they're gonna he's only gonna cost the team just under shy under two million for the next three years, which is an absolute steal uh for what he's bringing so far. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say the best part is one point seven million. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, insane, no, it, it is great to see. I, I'm probably gonna reiterate what you said, but just no. to see the sandpaper that he brings. You know, the penalty killing. He, you know, the hustle causing turnovers. He seems to find the soft areas of the ice and, and come up with these scoring chances. You know, whether it's you know finding the soft area and getting a good one timer, or you know causing a turnover and, and scoring a goal, maybe shorthand or something. This. This guy does everything, you know, on top of agitating and, and 
causing the other team to get frustrated, take penalties. He's one of those guys that gets under their skin and just kind of does it all. Just works so hard, and, and you know, it's it's awesome to see. After maybe he didn't have any stability, say like Philadelphia, Nashville, and all these places, he kind of jumped around since Chicago. And, and I love to see him, you know, play the game he's playing here. It's just been amazing. Yeah, 12 goals on the season, which is the ninth best mark in the NHL, um, only behind the likes of uh, Matt Duchesne, Kyle Connor, Troy Terry, Connor McDavid, Andrew Mangiapane, Chris Kreider, Alex Ovechkin, Leon Dreisaitl, um, tied with Alex Dabrinkit, more than Steven Stamkos, Timo Meyer, John Tavares, Sebastian Ajo, Austin Matthews, Miko Rantanen, um, Philip Forsberg, Rupe Hintz, just to name a few um, players who have fewer goals than Ryan Hartman, a 45-goal pace right now. Um, I, you know, not to not to shit on everything, but like obviously what he's doing is probably not sustainable at the rate that he's going at. I talked about you know positive regression coming for Kevin Fiala. Some negative regression might be coming for Ryan Hartman. I don't think he's going to shoot at 16% this season. Um, I don't know, man. That's what we said about Marcus Foligno. <laughs> that's and true. Foligno <laughs> said, fuck <laughs> shooting regression. I'm going to shoot at 30% this year. So who knows? Maybe Hartman keeps it up, which would be great. Um, to me, I I think I, I, you know, barring, you know, if they go into some sort of slump, but when Zuccarello is healthy, I really want to see him stick with, with Kaprizov and Zuccarello because I think – he gets the right areas. He's like ZQ said. He's got kind of a deceptive good release. Um, I think he fits with those two in the two-way game. He plays as well. Um, and you know, as much as we harped on, you know, the grief squad needing to be split up, you put them back together. And yeah, you know, you last night you get the grief squad hat trick. Jordan Greenway gets a three-point night. Um, you're welcome, everyone. By the way, our it, it took time, <laughs> but the sound of the foghorn reverse jink. It eventually came for Greenway. He slowly yeah. improved every game this month. He just had to be patient. We promised you'd happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it, there, there's a lot of things to love um, about how this team is uh, is playing right now, and you know, just gonna ride this Ryan Hartman high as long as we can. Um, I I did tweet it out, and I'll, I'm gonna bring it up on the podcast as well for full transparency. Uh, if he hits the 20 goal mark, so eight more uh, before January 30th, or manages to get himself a hat trick before that date, um, I will be purchasing a a green Ryan Hartman jersey. Um, and if he doesn't, then I'm probably gonna buy a Felino one. Um, yeah. So I'm buying a wild jersey. So long story short, <laughs> at some point I'm just trying to yeah. find a way to decide who it's going to be. So at this rate, it'd be a, it'd be surprising if he uh, if he didn't at this rate. But hey, if you would have said if someone would have said at the beginning of the year he was going to score 15 to 20 goals, that would have been you know most everyone would probably been ecstatic with yeah. that over a full 82 game season. And as we said, you know he doesn't he's not necessarily there to even score goals. So yeah, like you said, Brett, he's probably going to regress. But even if he does. I mean, if he, yeah. I mean, I, like, I think thirty to thirty-five at this point is extremely reasonable for him. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> which is which is crazy to think about. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome. You know, we're talking about Hartman, but the fact that like Felino has nine goals, yeah, and then you true. see a guy like uh, Rem Petlick, he comes in, he has four goals, five assists, nine points in thirteen games, and Duheim's playing a heavy game and getting scoring chances and fighting and standing up for teammates and just. They look fast, and this team is faster than any team I can remember. Yeah, you know, absolutely. playing for us. Right. Yeah, so hoping to continue to ride the Ryan Hartman high here. Uh, these next, you know, hopefully the rest of the season. Um, maybe you know, maybe I was I was right. Whoever centers Kaprizov and Zuccarello is going to score thirty. I just thought it'd be Eric Sinek, but maybe it's Hartman instead. I'm calling that a half win if it happens. 
Justin, I don't know how we can adjust the power play for you. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the uh, reverse jinx is uh, just not. Yeah, maybe we need to shit on the power play next week. (laughs) Maybe the kryptonite, but yeah, let's let's test it. (laughs) Next week, we're just gonna rip the power play for sixty minutes. Yeah, see if that helps. (laughs) Uh, Last thing we're gonna hit on today, though, because we are kind of running toward our our personal time limit here. Um, the Wild are dealing with a couple injuries as well as um, a new COVID bug as well. So we'll start with the two big injuries to you know, the number one defenseman, Jared Spurgeon. Um, we've been told it's a lower body injury, which is, again, always very helpful. And then Zuccarello, they're calling an upper body injury, but it's very clearly some sort of hand, wrist, finger. Um, as he took a slash from Nate Bolliu in the Winnipeg game when they were out running around like chickens with their heads cut off because they were pissed they were getting mm-hmm. stomped on. Um, so some pretty big injuries, um, but we've seen some guys step up. Jordy Ben, as we mentioned at the top of the show, has looked pretty good. Um, we saw Kalen Addison jump up on the wing last night in place of yeah. Freddie Goudreau, who's been placed on the COVID list. So just kind of what do you guys make of the injuries, You know how you've seen guys step up, um, long-term concerns for either. Just quick thoughts there. Uh, first off, I want to say the Winnipeg Jets are a bunch of – uh, bitches. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> they seem to do stuff like that uh, quite frequently. Yeah. I don't know if it's a coaching thing or what, but it seems like if they're getting their butts whooped or like they get an empty net goal scored on them, they just want to run someone. Uh, anyways, back to what we were talking about. Uh, I'm I'm not too worried about it. Uh, two days ago, it sounds like Spurgeon and Zuccarello were on the ice for the optional practice, so that's good news at least. You know, at least you know, even with the lower body injury. Spurgeon is skating, and, and hopefully we see Zuccarello back soon. But it, it's just next man up. I mean, this this team's deep. This team has a lot of chemistry, and, and they seem to keep finding the right uh, combinations when they need it. So, you know, just want them healthy and just have, them, have guys keep stepping up like they are. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I mean, obviously it sucks missing Zuccarello because that's, you know, kind of a factor top line winger in your team. And, and obviously they're going to need him. But as you mentioned, Justin, with guys like Pitlick and all that, they can fill in pretty well. And then obviously I think missing Spurgeon was maybe a little bit more, obviously your captain, your leader, uh, and your top defenseman. Uh, you know, that's sometimes really hard, can be almost devastating for a lot of teams. But as Justin mentioned with the guys just next man up mentality, I think, you know, obviously I think they moved for the most part the last few games. I think John Merrill has been on that the top pair with Alex Goligoski. And they've been, you know, they've had some not as great games, but they've been, okay enough to where it's not really hurt team and, and, and though they've been filling in really well and obviously Brody and Dumbo the top pair so uh yeah no obviously you don't want to go too long without with Spurgeon especially I think in my opinion because you know that's just they're they're playing the Brody and Dumbo pair a lot you know a lot more than the other uh kind of pairings from what I remember I don't know if I have that right so it, it'll be nice to get him back soon but yeah no I I, I agree with Justin that it's not really a it's unless if this is an issue right around the playoffs, then yes, then maybe it's a problem. But right now, as long as they keep uh, winning games and getting points, uh, you just want to make sure those guys are fully healthy before they come back. Yeah, and I think Evison might have mentioned something about just like kind of defense by committee since he went down, and I think we've seen that. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. if you go look at the box scores from kind of these past couple games with the there was one game recently. It's been like two games all year where the Minnesota Wild blue line hasn't registered at least a point. Um, and it just seems, I mean, they had five <clears throat> five points in the blue line on five goals last night. Um, and it just seems night in, night out that 
different blue liners are stepping up, you know. And I think the great thing is, you know, one pair has an off night, but we see, you know, that's the night, you know, the pair that had an off night night before bounces back with a great game. And Zika Zulu, too. I think Dumba and Brodine have really stepped up. Uh, Matt Dumba has looked really good. Um, I think kind of ever since owning that big turnover, he's really put a focus on the defensive game. I think we've seen that kind of come to life. He made some great plays in the defensive zone last night. There was one play in the first period, I think kind of right after the Wild gained the lead um, in the game. There was a backdoor pass. I don't know if it got mentioned in the broadcast, if it was made a big deal, but there was a pass that was going backdoor to wide open Coyote. Dumbo was in the perfect spot, put his stick down, picked off the pass, and the Wild went the other way. I mean, it's just like little plays like that aren't going to show up on the score sheet. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to go against your expected goals. It's not going to count as a block shot. But, you know, if he doesn't make that play, that puck's in the back of the net. So it's just been little things like that. And I think Goligoski stepped up admirably as well, filling in on the power play. We saw Brodeen um, with a, you know, a couple, the while that two goals off Brodeen slap shots last night. So just all the guys just stepping up in, in different ways. And I think that's just great to see. Because um, as we alluded to kind of coming into the year, the, the defensive depth was an area of concern, and it's arguably been probably the biggest strength of the team this year. Yeah. I, I know it was just a one-time thing, but uh, I love Addison, but I don't know if we can uh, <laughs> put him at right wing again. Yeah, that was, that was bizarre. <laughs> I mean, he was serviceable, but uh, rough start. Kind of a, He kind of looked lost for a second, but, uh, you know, filled in well in that position. And But, uh, yeah. I gotta Maybe pull not. it up because yeah. it was hit on. Um, let me see quick. I go to my forward cards from last night, not my defense ones. I was actually kind of intrigued that they did that. I, <laughs> I don't know if you would see that in the past. Yeah, the team he, doing he drew like a that. he drew a penalty, had a shot yeah, on goal, and threw five hits. Um, yeah, well, maybe night. he is the right winger now <laughs> with three shot attempts. So <laughs> pretty cool to see. Yeah, um, they had it. They had him playing the uh, right in the slot on the power play. Yeah, the great chance. It was like, what's he doing there? I'm like, oh, he's yeah. on the power play. Yeah, but I I think it was just cool too. I mean, if you listen to the Dean Evison press conference after the game, just talking about how they just you know felt he earned the spot, didn't want to ruin the chemistry they built on the blue line, you know, felt that the skills that he brought with the way he sees the ice, his skating, and like yeah, like you know, <laughs> for pretty much playing right wing for the first time. Um, I think his expected goals was above 50%. Like, yeah. he did a lot of really good yeah. things. So it's just, you know, I, I don't, we'll see if, you know, if, if Goudreau, um, you know, remains out for a while, if, you know, if they stick with Addison on the wing or if maybe uh, this is where they maybe call up a Matt Boldy or someone and, you know, throw Addison back down Iowa to make sure he's getting those minutes. But yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of a, a spot start, if you will, last night mm-hmm. and uh, he performed admirably. It was, it was kind of funny to see, but uh, it, it was, it was cool to see as well. Yeah, I, I will say, too, I was giddy when I saw him on the power play. That's kind of a glimpse into the future because he's one of those defensemen that has been known to be able to quarterback a power play. Yep. So, you know, yep. I've seen him and Fiala and Kaprizov, and, and it, it was just fun to see. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Well, uh, we're over our time limit, but that's okay because this is a show for two weeks to still keep it around yeah. an hour, I think, is pretty darn good. Um We've been good lately, I think. So it's it's okay. Yeah. We're, we're, this is your yep. reward for for uh, sticking with it. You get, you get an extra long show. Um, we'll wrap up here. Do you guys have any uh, final thoughts here before we uh, head out? Uh, upcoming schedule, just to maybe pull it out there. We have uh, the Devils at home tomorrow. Um, a big tilt on uh, Saturday Eight. with two of the hottest teams in the league as the Wild host the Maple Leafs, and then uh, Edmonton, San Jose. I think. Uh, yeah. 
Edmonton Tuesday, San Jose Thursday. Yeah. So we'll record before the San Jose yeah. game, I'd imagine. But so New Jersey, Toronto, Edmonton on tap should be uh, three much tougher games than the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it'll be fun. Uh, you know, I feel like we can really stick with anyone, but it'll be fun to see a team that got Jack Hughes back. It's been, uh, you know, they got a good team, and then Toronto seems to be they're, they're, us and them are the, the two hottest teams in, in the past month. And, you know, always Edmonton with McDavid, Dreisleidel. It'll, it'll just be a, a fun three games to watch. Hopefully we win at least two of them. I'll take all three, but, you know, tougher competition for sure. At least yeah. Yeah. Gonna... It'll be cool to see Kaprizov play against the second best 97 yeah. for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's <is> true. That's <laughs> true. And, man, I think uh, – I think... Toronto beat spanked Colorado like eight to three tonight. Right? Oh, did they really? this. So, yeah, that was an absolute smashing. So, so Saturday uh, is the Stanley Cup preview then. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it might yeah. Be. We, we hope so. We're so. looking at you, Dom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's uh, they're just really fun to watch right now, and uh, and sitting in a great spot, cushion, getting a cushion, a little bit on their on their spot in the standings, just keep getting points. Uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, we get a couple more wins by the time we talk next. Yeah, should be a fun weekend of hockey. Uh, again, reminder to Whitecaps, 2 o'clock Saturday, noon on Sunday. So if you got uh, got the time in your afternoon, feel free to turn them on ESPN+. Plus. I think Twitch, maybe if they're not ESPN+, Plus this weekend. I know there's like a weird split in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that'll do it for this week's show. So uh, Zeke, remind everyone where they can find you and your work. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, and you can find my uh, writing and all the other work at uh, 10kranks.com. Justin? Uh, you can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with Kaprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh. 92 be sure you are following the podcast account as well at sound the foghorn all one word both on twitter and instagram that'll do it for this week's show thanks for sticking with us uh the wild are hot we're hoping they stay hot and that we're talking about some more wins when we talk to you next week but until then this has been another episode of sound the foghorn